Welcome market participants to another three things in credit. I'm Van Husser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. As we approach holiday party season, nothing like a little volatility in the risk-free rate to keep you engaged right to the very end. All right, on to the main event. This week our three things are, one, rates volatility. What in the world is going on? Two, consumer dry powder. Apparently, it's much stronger than previously forecast. And three, energy price relief. Markets have settled down for now. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Rates volatility. Now, analysts are charged with developing narratives and investing strategies in response to market moves. This discipline, of course, is rooted in science. History tells us that if the economy does this, the bond market will do this, and stocks will do that. It's all mechanical, right? So how in the name of Adam Smith or Sir John Templeton do you explain the last six weeks? Mid-October, the 10-year was breaking through 5%. Stocks were plummeting. Spreads were widening. Uh, it must be the deteriorating fiscal situation in the U.S. driving Treasury issuance to levels that would crowd out investing in other asset classes. And the Fed, ever hell-bent on taming the inflation beast, would likely push the economy into recession. Did a narrative to the market move. Yet, almost on cue, rates started to plunge in what would become the most ferocious bond rally in nearly 40 years. Risk reverses course. All right, I need a new narrative. Treasury refunding expectation lower than anticipated. A little dovish talk from the Fed. Sure, that works. Bye. Not content with gradual moves, the markets went back to rate cuts. Not just one or two, but four and a half in 2024. Risk continues to rally. The S&P 500 is up 19% on the year and spreads are well inside long-term averages. Wait, doesn't four and a half cuts suggest something is seriously wrong? Sell? Here's another way to look at all this. If we go back to the day of the Fed's first hike in this cycle, March 16th of 2022, some 20 months ago, we see that the equal-weighted S&P 500 is actually 4.4% lower today. High-yield spreads are 11 basis points tighter. In simpler trader talk terms, one big unched. Now that suggests that there is still a wall of liquidity sloshing around out there. That's the volatility and a whole lot of uncertainty about what the future holds. That also suggests that investors are comfortable with credit, especially double B and above, but cautious about the strength of the economic and earnings recovery. And that actually squares up with our thinking. We outlined last week some of our thoughts around what the future holds. Soft landing overall with a growth trough, however, approaching stall speed over the next two to three quarters. Subpotential growth in 2025. The 10-year rallying down toward 4% over the course of 2024 could easily slip inside of 4% at that growth trough. And the Fed disappointing the market on rate cuts, sticking to its higher for longer framework until the second half of the year. Let us know if you see this differently. All right, on to our second thing, consumer dry powder. Now, the indomitable U.S. consumer, born to shop, surprised everyone in 2023, right through Black Friday and Cyber Monday. The death of the consumer, it appears, to paraphrase Mark Twain, has been greatly exaggerated. Now, to be clear, we also believe consumers are delusional. Many will spend at levels above their means because, well, that's just what they do. A big part of this is access to credit. 
Americans have a lot of that, which puts them in stark contrast with the rest of the world where that culture, among the masses, is well underdeveloped compared to what someone in the United States sees. And so, if you apply all of this to the pandemic period, you see a massive boost to American incomes due directly to stimulus and indirectly through supercharged economic growth that followed. You saw American consumers get used to spending at a higher level and, here's the delusional part, believing that lifestyle could and will persist. The more grounded among us know that's just not the case. But that means for many, running through all of that excess savings and tapping out borrowing capacity before reality sets in. We, and most others, thought that reality would set in in 2023. Well, it didn't. Now, the San Francisco Fed has just come out with an updated view of excess savings, saying it's larger than previously estimated and is likely to last into the first half of 2024. Its previous estimate called for that stockpile of excess savings to run out in Q3. Their new estimate is $430 billion at September 30th. The change for those keeping score is due to new data out of the Bureau of Economic Analysis. This new data squares up with the data from Bank of America, which shows that deposit balances continue to be elevated compared to pre-pandemic levels. All three deposit buckets at B of A, less than $50,000, $50,000-$100,000, and greater than $100,000, are all at roughly 140% of where they were in 2019. As a result, the bank expects this to support spending growth well into 2024. Now, spending is moderating. We see that in the latest BEA data, which showed consumer spending rising two-tenths of 1% in October, down from seven-tenths of 1% in September, and the slowest month-on-month growth since May. B of A is showing similar data. We would attribute the slowdown to cracks forming in the labor market and scarring from inflation. In any event, consider this good news for the soft landing camp. It also argues for higher for longer. All right, on to our third thing, energy relief. Now, we've been around long enough to know, don't try and predict energy prices. Those have long been politicized and weaponized, and almost all major producers except the U.S. are state-owned and influenced. It's a fool's errand. That said, we did take note that the U.S. oil production just hit a record level. Nevertheless, the impact of energy prices on manufacturing margins and consumer sentiment is very real. And what's caught our eye are recent moves both here and abroad in oil and gas. U.S. natural gas futures have plunged from above $6 a year ago to $2.79 today. In Europe, a similar story. Prices have fallen on reduced demand coming from economic slowdown and a concerted effort on the part of European jurisdictions to reduce dependence on Russian sources of energy. We've really just normalized. In the period post-GFC to pre-pandemic, the average price in the U.S. was $3.20. Regardless, a more rational and economic market has returned. The story reads the same on the oil front. Price of West Texas Intermediate has fallen 19% over the past two months, and Brent is down 14%. That shows up in the price of gasoline here in the States, where the average price for a gallon of gas, according to AAA, is $3.25, 35% lower than the $5.02 a gallon we hit back in June. For the average U.S. consumer using 55 gallons a month, that's a savings of just about 100 bucks, And that makes a difference to the 60% of households that live paycheck to paycheck 
and it also steadies consumer sentiment, which encourages broader spending. Add that to the consumer's dry powder. So there you have it, three things in credit. One, rates volatility. This downward move is for real. Two, consumer dry powder. That should soften the landing. And three, energy price relief. It's a boon to consumers and businesses. As always, thanks for joining. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and our latest research. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.